0: Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live at our 9 a.m., 11 a.m., and 5 p.m. services, or connect with us on Facebook. Good morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Good to see you showed up after the Thanksgiving weekend, the, uh, the uh, turkey coma didn't keep you from church on Sunday, nor did the all-night shopping. If you did that uh, and uh, uh, you already gave all your money away, uh, you've already missed out on uh, the rest of the, the month to take care of shopping because maybe you just knocked it out in a moment. How many of you already knocked out your Christmas shopping? You've got that done. You are already finished. And uh, so uh, that doesn't look like a lot of us, so that'll be fun, Then uh, we'll be seeing you Shortly somewhere, first, first Kings chapter 17, um, we're uh, wrapping up the series called Trademark. And uh, it'll, next Sunday, of course, we will uh, kick off our Christmas series here at Faith Assembly called Imagine. Uh, imagine just getting into mind what the reality of Christmas, uh, putting in mind what uh, the reality of what Christmas is all about and just the, uh, the hope of that. And just imagining, but not only imagining, but believing and looking forward to all that God has sent and made possible for us. But we're wrapping up this series called Trademark. We've been asking the question, what are you known for? And our desire is, as followers of Jesus Christ, is that we would be known for generosity. That generosity would become the mark, the trademark of our lives. That it would flow. And I want to look today, as we, we uh, wrap this up, uh, talking about the importance of generosity, the life of generosity that God wants and desires for you and I to have a blessed life. But I want you to see the significance of generosity and how that produces and gives way to blessing. In uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, uh, one of my favorite, um, I, it's kind of hard as a preacher to say one of my favorite stories because every time I say it, I'm like, wait a minute, i got to back that up because then there are moments. But uh, Elijah, I just love the stories of Elijah, the, the stories of faith and just trusting God. And, and here we find... Uh, Uh, learn a lesson from a widow at Zarephath. This is a village, a a city along the ocean, along the sea, and she's there as a widow. There's famine in the land, and uh, the famine is a result of a drought that God said uh, it would not rain for three and a half years. It would not rain for a period of time. And during that time is uh, without a doubt that it would produce difficulty. But I want us to see today that the blessings of God are not limited to the circumstances of our life. I want to say that again. The blessings of God are not limited to the circumstances in our life. That the circumstances of life are going to happen. They're going to be that. They're going to be circumstances. They're going to come. They're going to go. You're going to be at highs. You're going to be at low. But the blessing of God is not hindered or hindered or held back by the circumstances of your life. That there is no boundary. There's no limitation. How many know that we serve a God without limits? You believe today that we serve a God who is greater? A God who is mighty? A God who is capable to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can even think. Or imagine, if you believe we serve that kind of God, why don't you stand to your feet today and just give him some praise. If you believe that we serve that kind of God in our day and in our world, yeah. Yeah, he's more than able. So while you're standing, we'll read the word together. Something like, you just set me up. No, I didn't. We just want to give God praise. First Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 8. This is the story. It says, Then the Lord said to Elijah, Go and live in the village of Zarephath, near the city of Sidon. I have instructed a widow there to feed you. Not just a woman, but a widow. If it just a woman, I mean, even that, the resources are low. No offense to the ladies. This is obviously a different day, a different culture. We're not at all bringing this forward. This is the reality of the time there was not a lot of resources, but not only just a woman with few resources, but a, a widow. He says, I've instructed a widow there to feed you. So he went to Zarephath. As he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks. How many know that's not a sign that's pretty good? She's out getting sticks. If you have to go gather the sticks, you're going to get the sticks. You're poor. You don't have a lot that, that, you're, that, that you're providing for. She's out picking up the sticks. He sees her there, and he asked her, would you please give me a little water in a cup? As she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. I feel like some women in the house are like, yep, that's every man. I know that person. I know that person. Verse 12, but she said to him, I swear by the Lord your God that I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in a jar and a little cooking oil in the bottom of a jug. I was going to gather a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. Doesn't sound real hopeful. This is is it. We're on our last leg. This is all we have. My son and I, we're going to eat from what we have and then we're going to die. But Elijah said to her, don't be afraid Go ahead and do just what you've said. I I laugh at this every time I read it. Elijah doesn't doesn't sympathize. He doesn't say, oh, I'm, I, he doesn't, he says, well, go ahead, do what you said. Uh, Go ahead and and do what you said. Go make that last thing and then, you know, whatever's after that. Go ahead and, and do what you said, he says to her, but make a little bread for me first. Somebody say first. Make a little bread for me first. Then use what's left over. Somebody say, Left over. Yeah. Then use what's left over to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. Make a cake for me first, some bread for me first, and then you use the leftovers. You make for me first, and then you use the leftovers for you and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and olive oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. So she did as Elisha said, and she and Elijah and her family continued to eat for many days. There was always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. How many believe in the God of enough? the God of even more than enough, that he's able to meet and provide for all of our needs. Father, I thank you for this promise. I pray, God, that we would take a hold of the promise today. And, Lord, that we would, by faith, stand upon your word to see your work accomplished in our lives today. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, would you say amen? Amen. Amen. You may be seated. If you're able to take notes this morning and... uh, on the back of your bulletin, you can put that to use, because um, I think there's value in taking notes, uh, at least for me. I've got a journal that I carry, and uh, was yesterday, uh, we went through the storage and pulled out the Christmas stuff, you know how that goes, and uh, it brought to mind some other things, there were other boxes that were there, and uh, I probably lost an hour of time just reading through old notebooks of uh, of of sermons that I wrote, of ser- not sermons I wrote, but of sermons, of notes that I took of, of, uh, as a teenager. I've kept them all. You might be thinking you're a pack rat, probably to some degree. Don't ask Hillary. She worked with me for a little bit. She knows. There's just value, and I found one of them as I was reading back some of these notes, just a season in my life of God's faithfulness and uh, God revealing himself. And How many know the word of God is living and active? It is alive and working in our lives. If you're taking notes today, here's the title of the message. And that is this, living off the leftovers. Living off the leftovers. How many of you have some turkey left in your refrigerator right now? Is that not a blessing of the Lord? Uh, my family and I, we did what we, what we always do at Thanksgiving. That is we return back to the Gettysburg area and have Thanksgiving On two occasions, and you might say, well, that's wonderful. You get to have two different Thanksgivings, one with my family, one with Jody's family, and and they live just uh, about a half hour apart from each other. And so the blessing of being able to to celebrate this twice with both families, that's all fine and that's wonderful. The only problem is when we make the three-and-a-half-hour drive back to Uniontown, my refrigerator does not have the remnants of the beauty of what I just saw, of what I experienced and so this year, my wife, she blessed us, and so we had a third Thanksgiving right at our house. She she made the whole turkey dinner and did the whole thing right there for just our family, and so the blessing of the Lord is in my house. There is leftovers in the refrigerator. Some of you are like, I don't like the leftovers, but there's a beauty of the ready-made meal. I mean, if you want the meal, you just open the door, and there is the turkey. Pull out some Hawaiian roll buns, put some turkey, some... Mustard on that together, and how many know that there is blessing that overflows? I love the leftovers. Does anybody know what I'm talking about this morning? Yes. Are you, the other, you're like fancy people, like, no, we don't eat the leftovers, we give that away. I'll take no, I won't take it. Forget that, I don't need that. There, there's a blessing in the leftover. I want you to hear a principle today that you and I are called or not called but designed to live. Off the leftovers and here's the the difference though it's not our leftovers it's God's leftovers when it comes to the blessing there's a principle of God's blessing in our life and here's what I want you to hear I want you to hear this today is that the blessing is in the leftovers because the anointing is in the first The blessing is in the leftovers because the anointing is in the first. When you honor God with the first, that produces an anointing or gives way to an anointing. And the anointing blesses everything that's behind and you live off the leftovers. Listen what Elijah says to the widow at Zarephath. Go ahead, do what you said, but make me a cake first. And then you make yourself something on the leftovers, But wouldn't you agree sometimes we get life turned around where instead of living off the leftovers, we end up giving off the leftovers? Instead of living off the leftovers of what remains, the blessing that remains, but there's no blessing sometimes in our lives because we've eliminated the anointing because we live off the first when we're supposed to live off of the leftover because the first belongs to God. There's this principle of tithing. Now, I know some people would say when the, church, when, the, when, when, when the church starts talking about money or tithing, it's because the church needs money. Can I tell you this? I don't like fundraisers in the church. You know why? Because I don't serve a poor God who needs to beg. I'll just tell you that. I'm not a fundraiser kind of guy. And some are like, well, how are you going to think you're going to get money? I believe God can give us creativity and ideas, and I'm not against every form of fundraising, but I'm not a fan of writing a letter to somebody or to some business and saying, hey, can you give us a freebie because we're a church? Do you know what? We're not a church that makes us poor. We're a church that there's a God who has more than enough and everything that we need, that our resources are found in Him. He might use you. He might use that business. He might use that resource. He might use something that comes from another form another outlet but my provision is not from you or from a business or from a charity my provision and my help comes from the Lord do you believe that today because wherever you believe your help comes from is where you'll give your attention whatever you believe your help comes from your first will always go to what you have identified that is your source you draw hope, you draw strength, you draw, you draw comfort, you draw, you draw peace, appeasement. It's wherever you give is where you expect to return. And Oftentimes, the anointing, I want you to see the principle of this tithing. See, God says that we're to honor him with the first fruits. The first 10% becomes God's. You have an anointing in your hands. You may have at times come up short. Raise your hand if you've ever come up short in life's moments whether they're not having enough money, not enough strength. I want to talk today not just the lack of money. Jesus talks about money more than any other topic. But he uses money oftentimes because money speaks to the condition of our heart. How we spend our money speaks to how we are, where, where we put our resources. I'm not just talking today about a lack of finances. Maybe you're here today and you have a lack of strength. Maybe you're here today and you have a lack of faith. Maybe you're here today and you're coming up short in some area. That there, there's something that needs to see a breakthrough, you feel like you're coming up short, I want you to hear this principle today is that the anointing is in the first and the blessing is in the leftover. And too many times people are trying to get God's blessing but forgetting that the blessing doesn't come from the first. The blessing comes from the leftovers because the first belongs to God. He says to honor me, honor him with the tithes. And he makes a promise. He says that from that, when you honor God with the tithes, why is that? There's this principle that when you give God the first 10%, which 10 means whole, it's completion. When you give God the first 10%, he releases a blessing then that flows through the 90 remaining. I don't know if there's any other tithers in the house that can attest to how God just makes things work in supernatural ways because you honor him with the first and what you thought might be less than, that God knows how to intervene and there's an anointing on what remains and now there's a blessing that you might only be working with 90%, but you find more joy and more, more contentment and more provision in the 90% than you could in the 100 How many have ever found that? Are there any givers, any tithers, any givers, any people who honor God with your resources and have found out that you can do a lot more with the 90 remaining than you can with the 100 all on your own. There's a favor and a blessing of God. Why? Because there's a principle here. There's a principle that is not of this earth. It's a kingdom principle. You see, of this earth, you always have to, the, the, this, this principle that we understand on the earth that you can't receive if you don't give. We, we understand that. That's why it's better to give than to receive. Why? Because you shouldn't receive? No, it's because the blessing is in the giving because that's what produces the ability to receive. But there's a joy that comes in this. You reap what you sow. There's, there's this principle that we give in honor of trusting as we trust God that there's a return that comes back. But there's a kingdom principle that when we give God the first, it breaks open and allows a blessing to freely flow through the rest of it. This morning, I feel like we're going to do some spiritual warfare. I believe that God wants to break the yoke of the bondage of sin that's holding over your body, over your finances, over your marriage, over your resources. Because the thief comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But the scripture says, I've come that you might have life. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. That you might have it more abundantly. That God wants you and I to live in this abundance. And I've been praying for a breakthrough during our week of prayer and fasting. I've been asking God to make the ground fertile and ready for miracles. I want to believe today that miracles are happening in this house. Believing today that there's strongholds broken in Jesus' name. There's an anointing that breaks. Listen to what, what, what the Isaiah says. Isaiah says this, that the anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. That where there's an anointing, there's a swelling. And a swelling is the ability or producing more than what was there in the first, time, the first place. It produces more in abundance. It allows it to go further. Can I tell you the principle of the first? And here's the anointed. How many know Jesus is called the anointed one? The reason he's called the anointed one is not just because of what he can do, but because of who he is. Listen to what Paul says in Corinthians. Paul says this about Jesus that, that saying this uh, uh, of Jesus, but there is an order to this resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. But, and then all who belong to Christ will be raised when He comes back. He is the first of the harvest. Do you know what is so significant about what Jesus did to break the curse of sin in our life? Is that He was the one who was sacrificed. You know he was the perfect lamb of God. We understand he was perfect, he was wholesome, he was was without sin, without blemish. But you realize this, he was the first of all creation. He was before all creation. He was the moment that God said, let there be light, that, that Jesus was in that whole picture, in that whole promise. He was the first in creation. Not that he was created, but he has been God and is always God. But when God said, let there be light, Jesus shone his face on this earth that was formless and void. Do you know Jesus was the first thing to show up on this empty void and 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 dark earth? Not that he was not that he was created because he's not a created being. He is God, but he turned his face towards this earth, this earth, and it says, Let there be light. God didn't create the sun on the first day. Go back and read it. The light shone, and he created the sun and the moon and the stars after that, but the light that was on that day. When God said, let there be light, God said this, you go first. He, God is saying to Jesus, you go first. Do you realize that it was the one who was the first from the very beginning who showed his presence on this dark void, this dark and empty earth, that he was the one then who was sacrificed. Yes, because he's perfect. Yes, because he's son of God. But you know what else? Because he was the first of all creation, There's an anointing in the first and here's what you and I have the hope of is that because Jesus gave the first or because Jesus gave himself freely that he willingly came. The Bible says that his sacrifice broke the yoke or broke the bondage and the stronghold of sin over our lives. How many would understand today that your faith, that your faith that you have hope in Jesus Christ is because you know that you will live again, that you know you'll live forever with Christ because of what Jesus Christ has done. Is there anyone today who knows that your hope is anchored in what Jesus Christ has done for you that he made it possible why? because he's the first you see tithing represents this, this whole principle that when you give God your first there's an anointing that begins to flow and that anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin let me, let me, let me show you what it says in Proverbs chapter 3 honor the Lord with your wealth with your wealth not someone else's wealth Honor the Lord with your wealth. Let me tell you why that's important. Because oftentimes, we'll excuse ourselves from giving because we don't have what someone else has. God didn't say, honor God with what someone else has. Honor God with what you have. With your wealth. With your wealth. You say, well, I'm not wealthy. Then you don't realize how blessed you are. You have something. There may be moments you've come up short, but you're never empty-handed you have something god has given you something he's given you breath he's given you the ability he's put put something in your hands he says honor the lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce underline that best part or maybe if you're if you're reading that or just recognizing that honor god with your best part then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine how many want god to overflow your vats, I don't know if you have a vat, but uh, get one because God's going to overflow it. Your barn. <laughs> but y- your resources. I want the blessing of God to flow in my life. How many believe that? I want my health to be blessed. I want my family to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my resources to be blessed. I want my future to be blessed. I want this church to be blessed. I want the things that we're a part of I want God's blessing. The blessing only flows when we honor God with the first, because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. You follow me this morning. Does this make sense to anybody? Wave your neighbor's hand at me if this makes sense to you. I don't just <clears throat> just kidding, that would be weird. But uh, um, there's a blessing that becomes released whenever we give God the first. It breaks the yoke there's an order to this blessing and Jesus as the anointed one that as the anointed one he was the first of creation what are you doing with or let me ask you this are you giving god your best and here's the question are you giving god your first is your is there anointing that's flowing Or is there a stronghold? Here's the opposite of the anointing. Where there's not an anointing, there's a stronghold. If there's a stronghold on your marriage, if there's a stronghold in your finances, if there's a stronghold on your, you say, Jason, what's a stronghold? There's this this hindrance that feels like you just can't get through. Have you ever felt a moment where it feels difficult to make a breakthrough? It feels difficult to break beyond? How many have ever had a moment in life in some form or fashion where it felt like a difficulty to get through and you pushing only about six of us. So we're, the rest of you got this all figured out. I don't know how this works all the time. You guys, uh, you guys figured this out before me, and I think it's, I think it's great. So uh, thanks for coming to church to support me. Um, now, I, all of us, we understand that. There are those moments where it's like, oh, I, I know there's victory. I know it doesn't have to be like this. I know, And it just feels like you, you're spinning your wheels. There's an anointing that breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. There's an anointing. And sometimes we're not walking in the flow or the overflow of God's blessing because we've not released to God what belongs to God so that God can release to us what he has for us. Do you hear me? He's got to get the first, and then he releases the anointing that gives a breakthrough. I know you could say, well, Jason, does that mean I'll never have a problem? I'll never have this? I'll never have? No? There's, it means this, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches in glory. That my God will provide in every place. Let, let, me, uh, let me say this. You can write this down this morning. You can't live in the blessing until you give in the anointing. You can't live in the blessing until you give in the anointing. You're not gonna live the blessed life until you honor God with what belongs to him. Giving God the first, giving God the first so that he can release that anointing to see breakthrough. What is, what is the anointing? The, in the Old Testament, the anointing is signified by oil. And David, or, uh, yeah, David was anointed as king. And when David was anointed as king, uh, there was an oil that was, that was put upon him and that symbolized the anointing being set apart. That you and I, when we are set apart, when we set apart things unto God, he adds his anointing. But if you hold on to what belongs to God, how many know God's going to withhold his anointing? And if God withholds his anointing, if you don't release that work, then there's no blessing to follow because you've not given to God what belongs to him. That This releasing, and here's what, what it represents for us today, is the spirit of God is upon us. Jesus said this word, Isaiah said it, Jesus said it in his day. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me, he's appointed me or anointed me to preach good news. He's anointed me to do this work, to release a work of God in my life and in my world. Are you, and I I don't want to put us on the spot, but are you releasing a blessing in your life? Are are you releasing an anointing for your future and for your life? Are the decisions you're making honoring God to put God first in your relationships, to put, put God first in your finances, in your resources? Because if there's a stronghold, it might be that we've not given God what belongs to him. That we're holding on to us. And here's what sometimes holding on to us is that we don't go first we're not trusting God with the first of what we have. When we're we're anointed, it gives way. Let me give you this pattern. There's a pattern that takes place in a blessed life, and and just these four things that produce, and, and here's what it is. Number one is this, that its generosity releases it. That generosity goes forth, and generosity then turns into anointing. That when we release generosity unto God, honor God with the first, honor God with what we have, when we put God first, generosity at the heart of it is where we put God first instead of ourselves. Is God at first in your, in your finances? Is he first in your marriage? Is he first in your job? Is he first in your resources? If God is not first in those things, you've allowed a stronghold instead of an anointing. Some of you might be thinking this is too simple, Jason, Uh, but I want you to hear this is breakthrough message and truth that if you'll capture this in your life, you'll have a different marriage. You'll have a different job. You'll have a different outlook on life. You'll have a different circumstances and situations that surround you. And not that your circumstances will always change, but God will change you in the process of being affected by those circumstances. That when you give it to God, when you put him first in your life, that that generosity produces an anointing, which then in turn produces a blessing. And here's what the blessing then does. The blessing flows through us, and it ought to be that God gets the glory. Do you see the pattern of how, so how is your life lining up with this? Is generosity allowing an anointing to return in your life, which then produces a blessing That allows God to get the glory. God didn't bless you so that you could just have wealth. God blessed you so that he could get glory through your life. God blessed you so that he can get glory in the resources that you have. And here's, if you want to know if things are anointed, is God getting the glory by the way you treat your spouse? Is God getting glory by the way you handle your resources? Is God getting glory by the way you spend your money? Is God getting glory by the way you're raising your children? Is God getting glory by the way that you handle uh, uh, obstacles and difficulties? Is God getting glory? Because if God's not getting the glory, then you're not experiencing the blessing and the the flow that God wants to be in your life. There's a hang-up somewhere. I don't know if you're looking at me like this doesn't make sense or if you're looking at me like this is too simple. I don't know what I'm getting this morning. I'm trying to read the room and see what's taking place. I don't know if this is like I got leftovers in the fridge. Get me out of here. I got to go. I don't know. And I only have so many hours to eat them before they go bad. I don't know what we're dealing with here this morning. But there's a blessing that God wants to release in our lives. How many believe God wants to bless your life? I'm not so sure we're convinced of that. Sometimes, sometimes wanting to move to that, I don't know if we're convinced that God wants to bless your resources. Because here's what we'd say, well, if God wanted to bless my resources, then I wouldn't have to go through these restraints or these difficulties. Could it be that God is using that very thing to bring blessing in your life, to open up the door and unlock the blessing that God wants to bring forth in your life? Because he's a miracle worker who he can work with a widow who only has sticks to pick up and he can create something significant. Do you believe that? Believe that he's a God who can create those things of of significance. So here's the pattern. Let me me read Philippians chapter 4, and then I want to get into just some things from this widow's life. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 4, and just giving way to this pattern that produces in our lives. At the moment, I have all that I need. This is Paul speaking while he's in prison. Talk about circumstances. Okay, he's in prison. Tell your neighbor, Paul's in prison. Make sure you know the context here, what's taking place. Paul's in prison. Listen to what Paul says: "At the moment, I have all that I need and more." I have all that I need and more. Why? Because Paul's Paul's recognizing I'm living in the anointing. I am anointed by God and the anointing breaks the yoke of the bondage of sin. I might be in the bondage of a jail but I am not in the bondage of the effects of a jail because my God is greater than any circumstance and situation that I'm in. This might be my present condition but it is not my future hope and my goal. My hope is in Jesus Christ. He says at the moment I have all that I need and more. I am generously supplied with the gifts you sent me with Epaphrodites. They are a sweet-smelling sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. and this same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs from His glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, all glory to God, our Father forever and ever. Paul' saying, all of this relates to so that God gets the glory, so that God gets the glory. If you want to see the life of blessing, you've got to connect your generosity to God's glory. And when you make the line between your generosity and God's glory, that's where blessing comes along because generosity gives way to the anointing. The anointing gives way to blessing and blessing gives way so that God gets the glory. When you make sure those are the bookends of your life, I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter what your current situation is. There is a blessing in your life and a provision that a God who will provide all of your needs and take care of you, whether you have a spouse or don't, or not, whether you have resources, or you have little, much or little, whatever your circumstances, whatever situation you might be in, when you draw the line to connect from your generosity to God's glory, you will always bump into the blessing that God has for your life. Amen. You believe that this morning? Let me, let, me, let me talk to you about the widow here and we're gonna wrap up with this. Some things that I love the lessons that we hear from the widow. God uses the widow to teach us the significance of an anointing that we can live off the leftovers. And, and here's what it is. Uh, number one is this. If, if we're going to allow our, the pattern of this generosity, if we're going to live off the leftovers rather than giving off the leftovers. You know what I mean by that, right? I'm going to give God what I have left. Well, if I have enough left, then I'll give God what I have left. This is all I've got, God. And God says, well, what would you give the rest to? Because when you say to God, this is all I've got, God will always say back to you, it's not all I have. That he can work in whatever you have remaining, whatever it is that you have. Here's number one. If we're going to live this this life of blessing, it's number one going to require us to be open to instructions. We've got to be open to instructions. He, He says to Elijah, he says, I have instructed a widow there to feed you. I've instructed a widow there to feed you you realize that if you're going to live in the blessings of God, you've got to have a teachable spirit. If you don't have a teachable spirit, if you don't have the ability to learn, the ability to, to, uh, to, to trust God, that there's got to be an openness, being open to instructions to allow the spirit of God to direct your life. Are you too proud sometimes to think that maybe you don't know it all? Maybe you don't have this all figured out? Maybe this isn't everybody else's issue and you're perfect. (laughs) Maybe this isn't just your, you've got, but being open to instructions, being open to allowing God to direct what's taking place. Are, Are we open? Here's, this woman could have easily said, when God says, I've instructed her to feed you, she could have easily said, I'm a widow, I'm picking up sticks, I don't have anything, we live in a famine, Can't help you, God. But there was a willingness, there was a desire in her that she was open to to the instructions, having a teachable spirit. Here's number two. Number two is this, that if we're going to live in the blessing, in the overflow or the the leftovers of God's blessing, that we're open to instructions. Number two, there's got to be a willingness to go above and beyond, to go above and beyond. This is his first request to the woman. He says, would you go get me a drink? A little drink, something to drink. So she's on her way to get a drink, and then he says, Oh, yeah, and would you also get me a piece of bread? She went for the drink. but you got to realize, yes, there is a drought in the land. He has just left the brooks where he was being fed by the ravens just a, a couple verses before this. And now God tells him to go to Sidon, to this area that is a city located along the sea. When you go to get water, how many know that when he asked for water, she easily went for water? You know why? Because there was still some water that was there to have. There was not a surplus. There was not a large amount, but there was still something there. It made sense for her to give water. Why? Because she knew there was water. She knew she could give water. But how many know that it starts with knowing that you can give, but then the above and beyond is where the sacrifice begins to happen, and it's the anointing that takes place in the sacrifice sacrifice. David said these words when, when the king said to, uh, when a neighboring king said to David, he said, "I'll give you all the land." The guy who was there, uh, or I'm sorry, the owner of the field who was in the place where David had been, he said, "I'll give you all the land. I'll give you the animals. You can have it all, so that you can make a sacrifice to your God." David said, "No, I'm going to pay you for it." And the owner said, "No, you can have it." And David's reply was this: "I will not offer to the Lord a sacrifice that costs me nothing." I'm not going to give to God something that doesn't cost me anything. Why? Because you'll always give your time to what you think is important. You'll always give your resources to what you think is important. That you'll give to those things that would seem important. But here it's one thing to give water because you can find water. That's not too much of a sacrifice. But now he asks for bread. Uh, Yeah, about that bread. You see, I don't have any bread in the house. I'm not lying to you. I don't have any bread. All that I do have is a little flour and a little oil. I'm picking up sticks, and I'm going to make one last meal. My son and I are going to eat, and then we're going to die. Oh, what? It's your last? Oh, it's all you have? And Elijah says this, make a cake for me first. Do you realize that it's going above and beyond sometimes, that when it takes faith, say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm going to give not because it makes sense in my mind, but by faith, I believe that your anointing is on this. And I'm going to give, and I'm going to go first, and I'm going to give you first because I believe that the anointing will break the yoke of the bondage of sin. Anybody catching this this morning? I'm going to bring this to a close. But if in the way that we honor, are you going above and beyond in your resources? Are you going above and beyond when it comes to God? Are you honoring God above and beyond what's normal? Kind of concerns me sometimes when I hear conversations that are like, well, compared to other people, oh, don't limit the anointing of God in your life because other people aren't living in the anointing. Other people aren't living in the anointing. Church, I, I, I have a concern that we can get good at doing the church stuff And we can do it in our own strength and not have the anointing. And it's only the anointing that will make all the difference. Only the anointing can heal the sick. Only the anointing can piece together broken relationships. Only the anointing can do the work that is needed to be accomplished in our lives. And the anointing is when we go above and beyond. Someone said, uh, don't judge the health of a church by how many people show up for the outreach event, it's how many people show up to pray. Why? Because prayer says, God, we can't do this without you. God, we can't do this without you. It's not my efforts to perform. It's only your power that can break through the darkness of this world that we live in. Without the anointing of God, have you come to this moment that without the anointing, I have no hope in my life? Have you come to that point? Have you come to the point That without the anointing, you have no hope in your marriage, no hope in your in your in your resources, no hope in in whatever it is you're believing God for, whatever it is you're asking God to bring breakthrough in, without the anointing, we have no hope. It is only the anointing. Let me give you the last thing. Worship team's gonna come and and help us close here this morning. This willingness to go above and beyond. Number three is this: that if we're going to live in this this overflow, the leftovers that we've got to surrender what we have. This surrendering what we have is, is, is literally this, when he, he says, uh, she says, I've got oil and I've got, I've got the flour, but I don't have any bread. Do you realize the man was asking for bread? She may not have had bread, but she had everything that was needed to produce the bread. Right? I want you to hear today, you have what it takes. The enemy will lie to you. The, the enemy will lie to you. And here's how you know the enemy's lying. And if you've ever heard this, I can't take it anymore. That's the first lie of the enemy. The lie of the enemy is I don't have anything to give. That's the lie of the enemy. If you've spoken that over your situation, you've spoken the language of the enemy. I don't have anything to give. I don't, this is all, I don't have what it takes. I, I won't be able to. I, don't, I can't do this. God has given you what you need. The power of God lives on the inside of you. I sense, someone needs to catch this this morning because you've said in your circumstance and in your situation, I don't have what it takes. I can't do this. I don't, you have spoken the lie of the enemy. You know why? Because God created you in his image and you are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's given you all that you need and if you don't think you have enough, it might be that your eyes are on the wrong prize in the wrong place. Because when you put your eyes on Jesus, how many know that that's the moment you see something more beautiful, more wonderful, more glorious, and he gives you what you need to accomplish what he wants to do in your life? When I'm looking at the opposition, how many know the opposition's always gonna say, I don't have what it takes, I can't do this. I'm looking at the opposition. But when I'm looking unto God, he will give me the resources. He'll give me what I need. He'll give me the resource, the help, the strength. So I want to say to someone today, God wants you to have a blessed life. And the blessed life happens because you give God your first, your best. Because when you give to God, it releases an anointing. And the first is the anointing and the leftover is the blessing. It's too often we're giving off our leftovers instead of living off our leftovers. We're giving God what we have left. We're giving God the last. We're giving God, sometimes I don't even know if we're giving God the, the even at the end of it. And this is, a, this is a challenge I would give you. I know the condition of my heart when I wake up in the morning. Don't think I'm hyper-spiritual, I got high standards. No, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But I know, and I'm worried, of, not worried, but I'm aware of a condition of my heart if I wake up and the first thought on my mind is not Jesus Christ. I'm like, oh my goodness, what is wrong with you? I believe that following Jesus with everything that I have is what he's called us to do. There's not an in-between. Why, why have we created this? Well, give God your second and then you'll get this. No, it's first or last. It's either all or nothing. It's everything or nothing. Nothing. It's not this in between. It's not, well, if I feel like it today, if I come around to it, you got to understand where we live today and how things are and how busy and how much we have going on and so much and so much and so much and everything we've got going on. No, we've got to realize this. I have nothing unless the Spirit of God blesses my life. I have nothing without the anointing of God in my life. That's what I understand. Does that make sense? That I want to give not from my leftovers but i want to give God my first God here i am I want my I want my life to be anointed I want my marriage to be anointed I want my finances to be anointed I want my profession to be anointed I want everything that i have to be anointed because i want it to be to your glory and if i allow my generosity connect with God's glory i will run into the blessing I'll be anointed and there'll be blessing and I'll have enough in the overflow because I give God the first. That's all I got. It's all I got. And so I want to pray this today that God, here I am. I'm surrendering to you. I feel today that someone needs a breakthrough in your life. As I was praying and preparing for this, I just felt my spirit that there's someone who needs a breakthrough and God says, I'm here today to anoint in fact, I can, I'm going I'm to stop talking because even now the Holy Spirit is drawing your heart right now. We're going to sing this song, I Surrender All. Maybe you're here today and you need, you, you need to allow the Spirit of God to break through and give to God what belongs to God. Are you giving God your best? I'd have your neighbor ask you, but I don't want to put you on the spot. Holy Spirit, are you giving God your best? Are you giving God the best resources that you have? And, and I know media can say, well, I'm never doing it. That's not the point. It's not like I'm never doing enough. It's when I know who I am in Christ that his anointing gives me all that I need. His anointing gives me all that I need. And I'm saying, God, I can't do this without you. If you're here today, you say, today I need to surrender my life to Christ. And today maybe a circumstance, a situation, is there an area that you feel a stronghold? Would you just do that right now? Would you just, even in this place, every head bowed and every eye closed, just in the honesty of this moment, no one looking around, but you would say to me today, saved or unsaved, I'm not asking you today if you know Jesus, but I'm asking you today if you say, Jason, there's a stronghold in my life and I'm asking God for victory. There's a stronghold. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. You say today, in a resource, a relationship, a situation, there's a stronghold. If that's you today, raise your hand. if If you recognize and identify a stronghold in your life. Yeah, yeah. So as you do that right now, I want you, if you would, just put your hand down. You can put your hand down. Whatever that stronghold is now, would you begin to release that to God? Because sometimes the stronghold is in the area where we're trying to control instead of surrendering to God. But would you surrender that to God right now? Say, God, I'm giving this to you. I'm giving this to you. You You have first, you have control. You're in control of this. And surrender this to God.